Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics, Babylock, The Electric Quilt Company, and Northcott. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to the podcast. I am Pat Sloan. This is going to be so much fun because I have four very, very different and very talented uh, quilt makers, quilt designers here with me today, and we're going to start with PBJ by Jen, Patterns by Jen. Jen Schaefer is the fabulous designer behind this website, and she does so many fun things. Jen, I'm really excited to introduce you to everybody and find out more about uh, the type of work you do. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Pat. I am really excited to be here today. You know, we were just talking, you are in a very snowy area of the country in the United States. Did you finally get spring? Did it finally break? Well, things are green now, but we still don't plant flowers for a while. It'll it'll take a few more weeks before we can do that without bringing on more snow. Yeah, that's right. If you plant something, it'll definitely snow, right? So you just uh, have to Yep, wait. exactly. <laughs> So how long ago did you did you discover quilt making? Um, I started about 17 years ago. Um, my daughter was born in July, and we moved to a new town, and she was two weeks old. And so I took her her first trip at two weeks old to the quilt shop in town and, <laughs> and uh, tried to make some new friends and start a new hobby. Oh, that, you know, so many people start quilting because of a baby, like their own, somebody else's. It is sort of this, like, underlying thread that's really, really cool. Does your daughter quilt now? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so she showed a little bit of interest. She is now 17, so yeah. not yeah. not really interested in doing what mom is doing right now. Right, right. Yeah, give her a few more years. That might come come around. Uh, yeah. So, so what type what type of project did you do when you first started? Like when you were learning in a quilt shop, you know, did they give you a standard sampler? Um, I first started doing their block of the month and tried to learn through that, and then I signed up for the beginners class because the block of the month was just a little bit too much for me yet, um, and so they had a a little wall hanging that you could start with and just really get the very basics of beginning. And um, that's actually where my first pattern design came from was that class because they said you could design your own if you wanted or you could buy this pattern. And I thought Hmm. because I know so much of quilting, I would design my own. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't work out very well. (laughs) So I ended up buying the pattern. I I love the confidence, you know, like I just love it when people are like that and they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll just do that. And uh, yep. <laughs> we all have those moments, don't we? We're like, yeah, we're good. And then no, no, yeah, we're not well, that good. <laughs> um, you know, what type of people do you like to reach now with your with your patterns? I I love to reach out to the beginners. I still feel I'm I still feel like I'm learning so much every year mm. now, especially as a designer. And so my, you know, I, my goal is to reach as many quilters who want to be quilters who haven't started yet. You know, they, they admire the quilts. They love the looks. They love the texture and the artwork and, but they haven't taken that step yet. And I, my goal is to reach them and bring them in um, to this awesome hobby that is 
so addicting. <laughs> right. Well, and I also really, really love that you have actually a category at your website. Your website's Patterns by Jen uh, that is called Beginners Unite. It's That's fabulous. So that's just like where people should start. It is. It is. And that's why I, you know, as a beginner, sometimes I, you know, I hear a lot that, you know, they feel like they are left out of groups or whatever because they have questions and they they don't know those answers. And so, you know, why not bring us all together and go, let's learn it together step by step. And so that is, that's my, that's my group. That's my people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you have a group on Facebook as well. What's the name of your group there? Um, It's uh, Quilt and Learn with Patterns by Jen. Ah, okay. And cool. it, uh, yeah, people can. Yeah, it's, and it's full of that. beginners. It's full of beginners on that group too. Right. So, <laughs> so tell, let's talk about one of the projects that you do on your website that I just really adore is your monthly color challenge. How long have you been doing that? This is the second year that we've been doing the uh, monthly color challenge. It um, has really grown this year and taken off with. From beginners to intermediate quilters, it's been really fun to see beginners make strides and getting those points to be pointy, and then the intermediate quilters who, you know, take a pattern and, and make it, you know, their own and make that block their own. It's been really fun this year to see how much, um, how many people have gotten involved. So how does it work? Each month I send out um, a new block. Um, it goes out on the first of each month, and... At the very beginning of the year, the quilters are all given the colors that we will be using, mm-hmm. and then the blocks are a mystery. So the blocks then are inter- introduced on the first of each month. Um, the challenge is to actually use the fabric that you have in your stash. Mm. So they're not supposed to be going out and <laughs> buying new fabric. Um, so I try at the beginning of the year to let them know how much fabric they would need so they can kind of start digging through their stash and looking because there's always a surprise in there that we forgot about, you know, mm-hmm. at the bottom of the bucket or something. And mm-hmm. so most of them are, you know, they don't need more than like two fat quarter sizes. And mm-hmm. um, and they're just really encouraged to use those fabrics from their stash and use that. We have so many fabrics that we buy and, and hold on to. Let's use those fabrics. I think that that is such an excellent idea because I always feel like if unless you actually cut it and sew it, it is so hard to know what's going to happen. It is. It is. And each – I have a a group that has signed up for emails, and they also get the pattern on the blog. In that – in those patterns, there is a video of me putting that block together so those beginners get those tips hands-on. But then also we kind of talk about – the color placement and the different um, areas that they can be put in because it all changes every time you change, you know, you turn a block and it changes into mm-hmm. a different look. So, so staying with color, what is your personal sort of favorite color combination right now? Oh, I love purple and green. Purple is <laughs> my all time favorite, which is why it's part of, it's kind of the jelly part of the PBJ logo. Yeah. Is that purple? And then green, especially this time of year, green is like my other go-to color. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and they're, those are just two gorgeous colors together. You know, they really always make me happy, you know, happy. They to do, see that. and they're calming. They're calming. I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what kind of tips do you, you know, do you have like a, a main tip that a lot of people run into that you're like, okay, if you just do this, it'll fix it? 
My Well, my biggest tip is make your units larger and then trim them down <laughs> because yeah. that's where the accuracy is coming in. But so if, when you're trimming down, I like to put that clear medical tape on the back of my rulers to keep them from slipping because, again, that gives you that accuracy. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so big and then trim. <laughs> Right. And it's worth it. I mean, if you really want that accuracy, um, are you a starcher for your fabric? I am. I love, I love a good start. I starch everything. (laughs) Before I make that first cut, I starch. So when you starch, do you make it, do you do something where it's sort of lightly starch or are you one of those that makes it pretty wet, like pretty wet and then you, you let it dry? I picked up an air mister and use that for my starch and it used to be that my fabric would get soaked, but that's because I would, you know, press like three, four yards at a time. And mm-hmm. now I actually find that with the mister, I still get a really good press, but it's not soaking wet on me and I have to let it sit and dry for a little bit. Right, yeah, because when you get it really wet, you can't just iron it. It just makes a mess. It does, it does. And then you have to wait to cut. So then you're, you know, mm-hmm. then you're waiting and have you don't get to start right away. That's no fun. Right. Right. That's what I was like. I was like, what? I don't – it starts the day before. I'm like, no, I want to sew now. You know, it's Right. Like... <laughs> so are you – you know, you told me that this is – you also have another job, you know, besides your, your quilt business. So fitting this in besides having children, uh, you know, how – what are, what is a tip or two for how you do – you manage it all, Jen, because running two businesses and – uh, having children you're still raising at home, it's a lot. It It is a lot. And truthfully, I am a hot mess most of the time. <laughs> so I don't know that. I, my tip is, you know, for me, I had to stop doing everything. And I had to take at least two nights a week where I went upstairs and just be and was just mom or wife, I guess, too, mm-hmm. <laughs> since right. I'm married. <laughs> right. Hey, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I had to take those two nights, at least two week, nights a week, and mm-hmm. really make myself focus, which is kind of sad sounding. But when you are building two businesses, you get kind of caught up, and I had to make. So I think it's very important to make sure you aren't losing yourself in the joy and excitement of running your businesses and doing your hobby and losing sight of the fact that you, you know, still have people that need you around and in their lives. Right. And you want to be with those people. It's like you want to be with your family. You want to take that. I totally get that. And I don't even have the kids or the second career. You know, like I don't have, I'm not running two businesses at the moment. But when I did, I I got it because I used to go into the corporate and come home. And it's like, yeah, you you want to. So so for those of you who are feeling like, oh, my gosh, you know, just breathe. Right, Jen? Breathe. Yeah. Breathe and just take, you know, and take an evening. And it doesn't even have to be take a walk around the block with your family and the dog. You know, it just takes to bring yourself back down into reality and and realize you don't have to be all and do all. Right, right. It's That's so excellent. Now, what we have about a minute. What are you working on now that uh, with with your group? Um, With our group, we have a uh, quilt along coming out uh, starting June 4th with my broken panes pattern. It's totally geared towards the beginner. It's strip piecing and strip cutting and comes out with a, it's a great big sized block. So easy to 
piece and work on those matching those same skills. Um, and they get a great quilt at the end of it that really hopefully wasn't too hard to do. And one of the, one of the, um, group members says she's hoping it's not painful that it's just, you know, full of pain. So I promise we will make it, it will make it pain fun, but not painful. Right. <laughs> That's so fun. So, Jen, this has been great. Thank you so much for being here and sharing all this fun stuff you're doing. Thank you so much, Pat. I had, this was great. I wasn't as bad and nervous as I thought I would be. Thank you. <laughs> see, see, I'm a nice person. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll be right back after the break. Moda Fabrics started in 1975 as United Notions. Today, Moda Fabrics leads the way with innovative fabrics designed in-house and by many of the industry's most popular designers and creative talents. As for United Notions, it continues to distribute the very best notions, books, patterns, and supplies available. Moda Fabrics and Supplies is what you may hear them go by now, but they still have the same great products and customer service they've had for more than 40 years. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest in fabric and notion. Want to design your own quilts? Now you can with Electric Quilt 8 software. Design quilts, blocks, and import your favorite fabrics. Or use any of the thousands of designs in the library. Podcast listeners, take 20% off your purchase through May 31st, 2019 with code PODEQ8. That's P-O-D-E-Q-8. Get more info at electricquilt.com slash APQ. Welcome back. I'm Pat Sloan. You know, if you have been looking at, you know, patterns put out by the fabric manufacturers, there are people behind there who do those patterns. There are designers who sort of specialize in working with manufacturers. There are also, they also do their own work. And today I am so excited because Denise Russell is here and she is one of those fabulous designers who you will spot her work all over the place, not only with our family of, mag- of magazines here for American Patchwork, but at the fabric manufacturers and then her own work. Uh, and her design company is called, or her website is called Pieced Brain. You know, that's what we all have, a pieced brain, Denise. How are you? That's right. I'm doing great, Pat. This is so fun to be able to be on your show. But yes, yeah. pieced brain is like my my brain. is There's all little pieces of fabric everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I just I, when I read that, you know, when I saw your your website, I was like, yeah, perfect, perfect. Um, what you know, when did you learn to quilt? Because I think your story is a little bit different. I know. I was actually working with my husband in our real estate investment company. I was traveling all over the country, remodeling properties, dealing with contractors. And all of a sudden, I just needed to do something else when I got home. I had my little kids, but I also needed to be involved with women, do something Mm -hmm. that had to do with women. And so I went to the food store in town, and I bought a book by uh, Eleanor Burns, 
uh, log mm-hmm. cabin in a day or something like that, and I read it cover to cover and mm-hmm. a few times, actually. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I went back to the store, and I bought the quilts, and then I started carrying the fabric requirements. Everywhere I went, I would buy fabrics to make more of those quilts. So it was fantastic. And that, that's how it started. And were you actually sewing when you were on the road traveling then? Like you go back to your hotel room? Uh, no, not then because I started okay. this piecing at home. And okay. so, but I had something else other than the family. You know, I had something mm-hmm. of my own that I could look forward to. Yeah, yeah. It is It is so important to do that, Denise, you know, to have your own personal life as well as your work and your family, you know, something that's just for you. Yeah, you're more balanced. I, and mm-hmm. I am glad that I acted on it because this way I wasn't frustrated. I had that outlet and I started learning newer things and being involved with all these fabrics and being seeing women and talking with them and learning from them. It was fantastic. So when did you start writing about your quilt making? Was that the same time you sort of started doing things as a business? No. No, (laughs) no. Actually, it was many years later. This was, uh, I started in 2005, you know, making quilts. But then in, I think it was 2013, I was part of a, a quilt guild in town. It, we had a fantastic time meeting every month, and uh, every week we would hand sew, hand quilt actually our projects. Mm. But then I had two younger boys, and they needed me, and so I mm-hmm. didn't have much time at all for them. So I, I had to stop participating in the guild, but I still wanted to see other people's projects and share my own. So mm-hmm. I started to blog. So that, that blog started, I started in 2013. And I could access it at every, every hour, any hour. So when mm-hmm. my kids were asleep after I had done what I had to do, so that's when I started writing about the, my quilting work. No, I think that uh, being able to connect online when it fits your schedule is just like a miracle. It is, isn't it? The technology is just fantastic. It's on our side. I love it because I sometimes I cannot go to sleep, and that's what I do in the middle of the night. <laughs> After 15 minutes rolling in bed, I said, excuse me, I yeah. need to talk to some people out there. You know, it's fantastic. <laughs> and there's always somebody yeah, up. Yes, always yes. somebody up, Denise. Yeah. Yes, because we are connected everywhere. I love it. Yeah. So what type of quilts are you designing now? I mean, you're, do, you're doing this as, as a business. So what style or, yes. you know, what do you like to make? Well, that is interesting because <laughs> I make the quilts depending on the fabrics that, that my client sends me. And mm-hmm. so sometimes uh, 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 the fabric collection is very modern. So I have to design a modern quilt to fit mm-hmm. all the, those beautiful prints. And then other times, the fabrics that I receive to design quilts for, they're very traditional, or they are like 1,800 reproductions. So it, it depends on the fabric that I receive. I love designing, period. I love getting out of my box and stretching myself and say, okay, these fabrics, I've never thought of working with them. This should be fun. And so you know, that- I, this is what I do. I think that that's a really interesting way to work, too, because a lot of people will stay sort of in one thing. That's what they like. But it is fun to work with a fabric collection and style that you and try to come up with something that you've never really worked with before. Absolutely. And I was 
if if it calls for paper piecing, that's what I'm going to use. If it calls for, you know, templates, that's what I'm going to use on a pattern. Some clients prefer a simpler uh, quilt design, and so I stay away from templates and paper piecing and things like mm-hmm. that. Others want applique, and I always use machine applique because I think it's more accessible. Even though I like mm-hmm. needle turn applique a lot, I use a lot of machine applique in my patterns. So I am my design is very much inspired by the, the fabrics that I receive. So what is one of the, do you have like an unusual quilt that you've made, like you, you know, for yourself that you think, oh, like that one was really different? Yes, I do have a wall hanging uh, that I used different techniques in it. I used paper piecing, I used machine applique, I used 3D uh, applique. Mm. I, you know, I like to mix all the different techniques and put to put together a fabulous quilt. I also have a, <laughs> I, you know, you must have heard of the Happy Village quilts where you cut the pieces in ti- the fabric in tiny pieces and you glue them and then uh, you know you quilt over it i i have it you know i'm looking at it right now in my studio i love these <laughs> kinds of different techniques in quilts mm-hmm. You know, that is really fun to do also, to just try different techniques. You know, do you, um, you know, because you're designing for all different kind of formats, that gives you a mm-hmm. chance to really play around that maybe other designers don't have because they have a certain audience. Your audience is really broad. Absolutely. And yeah. sometimes I need to ask the client for inspiration because there's so many ways that I have to go. And I say, well, what is it that you have in mind? <laughs> you yeah. want something contemporary, but really it's yeah. huge. What right. is it? Nail it down for me, narrow it down for me. And so, mm-hmm. yes, and as I said, it stretches me and I'm always learning. And so it's, it's a, a fantastic uh, hobby and job to have. Now, I love that you also do some things with panels. What's a kind of a, um, you know, how do you think about a panel when it comes into you? Because I know a lot of people get stuck on that. They have a panel and they think, I don't want to just put a border on it. You know, how do you think about what to do with them? Well, if the panel is very striking, I like to do simple borders all around, sometimes just plain strips of fabric that would mm-hmm. actually bring out the center, which is the panel. Other times, the panel has so much fun stuff going on that I want to bring some of those elements out on the on the border. For instance, I did a panel for Studio Eat. Uh, the fabric line is a whale of a time, and there are whales and waves mm-hmm. on the panel. Mm-hmm. So I reproduced the waves on the blocks around the panel, and it, it all became out really nice. So it all depends on what it is that the panel calls for. If it's striking, just simple. If you can do a lot of stuff with it, just put some blocks that pull some of the design out. Mm-hmm. That's a good, that's a good uh, tip. Really just look at what the panel is about and see what you can figure exactly. out to expand it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And bring colors out to the, onto the blocks and the borders. So. so one of the things you said, Denise, earlier, uh, literally, was that you um, like to use templates. So what are some tips yes. for working with templates? Because not everybody's uh, well-versed in those. There's a lot of just strip piecing now, you know, and cutting with the rotary mm-hmm. cutter of shapes. Uh, so what, mm-hmm. how do you give, you know, how do you deal with templates? 
Well, sometimes the only way that you can get something to match really well, points to meet well, meet very well, is using templates and the plastic templates. So you mm-hmm. trace the shape onto the, the plastic and then you cut it up and then you have to label it A, B, C. Well, one thing that I do that works for me very well, instead of using A, B, C, I use words. Ah. America, America, boy, uh, car, because mm-hmm. sometimes that will prevent you if you accidentally flip the template and it's mm-hmm. a template that has to be cut, has been reversed already, has to be cut that way. You won't cut it wrong. The mm-hmm. same work, the same way it works for foundation piecing. So, you know, on foundation paper, you have a side of the paper where you're going to put the fabric and then you stitch on the other side. I always write on the side that I have to stitch. I write, stitch here. And guess why? Because I've flipped papers. You know, sometimes (laughs) the lines, they look the same on both sides. I flipped it. All of a sudden, I have four beautiful blocks, and the fifth is like, oh, the fabrics are reversed. (laughs) So that's a good tip working with templates. Always Mm -hmm. label using words so you won't flip them accidentally. Yeah, I've never heard that tip, and I think it's so good, Denise. That is just a cool. really, really good tip. Yeah. And that's why I like your show, because we get so many different tips from different people. So I think this is a fantastic resource for quilters. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Uh, you know, you've, you've been quilting a while now, and you've been doing, th- you know, things then interacting with people. Is there, like, sort of a fun quilting story that's, that you've run into? Well, actually, it has to do with the beginning of my quilting, and it has to do with my husband, (laughs) of all people, because I guess I didn't realize I was spending so much money when I first started quilting. One day he came to me and said, so is there any way, very, very diplomatically, that you're going to stop spending $500 a month on fabric and books? (laughs) I had no idea I was doing that. And the other one is, I would make a quilt, and he'll look at it and say, wow, that's a cool Easter quilt. And I'm like, there are no bunnies, no eggs. He said, yeah, but the colors. And then I'll uh-huh. make a red and green quilt, and he would say, oh, this is a cool Christmas quilt. And I'm like, no, it's not. And with him, I realized that in this country, in the U.S., you associate colors with uh, holidays. And mm. so I was more aware of how to use colors in my quilts. That is that's fascinating because you're from Brazil, uh, yes. so and you've lived here a very long time. But you were started quilting a while yes. back, so you know it's mm-hmm. always different when you have to figure out what's going on in a new place. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's been a fantastic learning experience. So, do you travel to teach at all? Yes, I do. I travel in in the U.S. and uh, in Brazil. A lot more in Utah. I want to do some more, much more of that because I love teaching. It's really my forte. So I want to start teaching more of my patterns, too. Uh, that's Yeah, so people can contact you by going to your website, uh, PeaceBrain. Yes, PeaceBrain.com. Yes. That's it. Denise, Denise, this has been so much fun. I just, I really love it. I uh, love getting to thank know you. Thank you, Pat. You know, thank you for uh, having me over. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Uh, we will be right back after the break, and you will need to go out and check out Denise's website, peacebrain.com. We'll be right back. Thanks. I'm Pat Sloan.
sewing machine is the heart and soul of my design process, and working on a machine that clicks with me makes it easy for me to create. That's why I use a variety of baby lock machines, especially the Crescendo. Baby lock has thought through everything I need to have to create amazing quilts. I love that the control panel on my Crescendo is so intuitive and easy to use. Best of all, it's large enough to see clearly. The Crescendo's features remind me that everything Babylock does is for the love of sewing. Do you want to learn something new? Solve a sewing problem? Or simply be inspired to start a new project? Moda Fabrics is here to help, and it won't cost you a thing. Visit modafabrics.com for free patterns, computer wallpapers, sewing tips and reference guides, and fun sewing printables. You can even find coordinating Moda Bella solids or fill threads and hex values to any image uploaded with the new Palette Builder tool. Visit modafabrics.com and click on Free and Fun to find all this and more. And for free and fun right in your social feed, follow Moda Fabrics on Instagram. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. And I, you know, sometimes I see a quilt. You know, I've said this many times. I see a quilt and that's how people end up here talking to me about it because I'm intrigued. I want to know more about it. And there was this absolutely fabulous reproduction of an antique quilt that I saw on the web. And I've like had to dig around and find out where it came from and who were the people behind it. And I'm delighted, just delighted to have Ann Dawson here, who was one of the people involved in making the 1876 Centennial Quilt Project happen. Ann, thanks for being here. Hey, Pat. Thanks for having me. Great. Now, you have a partner in crime on this, uh, Karen Alexander, who couldn't be here with us today. So you're, you're going to tell us all about this project. Um, you know, the... The quilt, the 1876 Centennial quilt, that is right. the original quilt. Was it made for the Centennial? Well, I like to think so, but I mm-hmm. can't say that definitively. And mm-hmm. why we call it the 1876 Centennial quilt is because it's dated 1876 prominently on the front of the quilt. Oh. And there are I... two um, fabrics in the block that actually are centennial print fabrics that were created during that time frame. So we really feel that it was made in the mid-1870s. Everything about the antique is consistent with that dating. So we like to think that it was specifically made for the centennial. Yeah, I agree. Let's just do it. We'll just call it that, right? (laughs) Right. We have, so I guess it is. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So now it is. So you, what is your background or you know just give me just a real brief what what is your what do you do in the quilt industry well I um, started quilting in 1972 as a high school student and I've been involved one way or another since then so Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of the quilt industry grow Mm -hmm. Um, primarily my business has been in quilt restoration and I've been doing that for 30 years or so Um, so I've seen a lot of antique quilts and seen a lot of antique fabric. And you so currently have a, a studio that you work from. Is that open to the public? Yes, I have a studio here on Lopez Island, which is in northwest Washington. You have to take a ferry to get to me. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's pretty fun. Um, yeah. I have a studio space 
that has evolved into a small little fabric store, mm -hmm. also a teaching space. I also do uh, custom work and my restoration work here until very recently. I'm just retiring now from taking any more restoration work. I'm going to get that mm -hmm. out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the quilt because I think that there's just, you know, we, we have a short period of time. I want to just right. introduce people to why this happened first because I think that that is a telling thing about quilt makers all over the world. It's like how this project happened for you and Karen and the people who are making it. So tell me a little bit about what happened. Well, in 2015, Karen, who's a quilt historian, um, saw a photograph on a Facebook private group about antique quilts and the photograph was of this quilt we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And she said, wow, this is pretty cool. She sent the photo around to our sewing group, and other ladies chimed in on the email <laughs> about, oh, wow, this is a really cool <laughs> quilt. And I'm looking at it thinking, it's one crazy quilt. It's very mm -hmm. complex. And we right. can describe it later, perhaps. But yeah. I'd never seen anything like it either. Um, and one of the ladies piped in and said, oh, let's get Anne." <laughs> to figure it out for us. Um, I literally swore at the computer screen when they said that. <laughs> because, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no. No, no. Well, uh, a few weeks later, we had contacted the owner of the quilt, tracked her down. Um, she lives in Connecticut. And uh, made arrangements that we all would be launching out on this project together. And I began. And that's really, it was a connection through the Internet. Yeah. That's how this happened. A handshake you know, over the Internet. Yeah. And what's fabulous is that quilters, no matter what quilt they're looking at, this happens. Let's do yeah. this quilt together. They see it. They get inspired for yep. whatever reason. Uh, now, the, the owner of the, the antiques, uh, does she quilt? Um, she does now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, Barbara. You sucked her, her in, huh? That's like, uh, well, yeah. She yeah. had this quilt. She bought it in a tag sale like 15 years ago, took mm -hmm. it home, put it away. She didn't know what she had at all. Took it back out a few years ago and started researching it. That's when she put the photo on the Internet to have people look at it. And she always thought it would be nice to make a pattern for it, but didn't really mm -hmm. know how to go about that. Um, she dabbled a little bit in sewing and quilt making, but hadn't really made a lot of quilts. So when we started this project, she was like, I'm going to make this. And she made a fabulous replica quilt, long distance, as essentially mm -hmm. her first quilt. Holy it cow. Was an amazing um, process that she was able to do it so beautifully. So describe the quilt because it is, okay. like you said, it is complex. It is like It has like multiple things going on. It does. Well, it is essentially a center medallion sampler quilt. Mm -hmm. um, imagine a Roman floor tile. You mm -hmm. think of Roman mosaic floor tiles. It has sort of that look to it. There's a chips and whetstone compass in the center. It's surrounded by square blocks. Um, and then there's a, a whole big border of circular blocks that frame that. Yeah, they're crazy, and, uh, too. They're not easy circular blocks. No, they're not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there's another border on the outside edges that are square blocks that many of those look like blocks we've probably seen before. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, but many of mm -hmm. them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but the circular blocks are the ones that got me sucked in. Mm-hmm. And why did that? Why did that? Was it a challenge? Why did that get oh, you? It was a huge challenge. Um, mm-hmm. I'd never seen anything like it. I still haven't seen anything like it. Um, yeah. The way that the elements are put together with their piece sashings or borders um, really make it um, unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there are some blocks in it that I don't, that could be just one-off unique blocks to this quilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots and lots and lots of curved piecing and inset seams. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and each one, you know, each set of, of the different areas, there's the outside, the circles, and then the inside squares, they're all different size blocks, so it's not like they're all 8-inch blocks. Right. Um, yeah. How how big is the quilt? It finishes about 90 inches square. Okay. All right. So when you gathered up this band of quilt makers that all said, you know, me too, uh, how many did you end up with? We were 18 in the initial project. Mm-hmm. And did every yeah. and, and did everybody make it as a reproduction? Like when I... You know, like, did, or did they make it in other fabrics? Uh, when I teach, I like people to make their own quilt, even if we're using a, a commercial pattern or, mm-hmm. or a, this, this pattern here. I want you to make your quilt, you know. So if you want to make a, a replica or a reproduction fabric quilt, go for it. If you want to make it all out of K-facet fabric, you should do mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. we had one person do that. We had people use um, what I would call Japanese-style fabrics both with, mm-hmm. you know, geisha prints and also topes and yarn dyed woven fabric. Um, somebody did it all in solids, uh, you know, all kinds of different fabrics. That's what's exciting. So what kind of a tip do you give people when they're going to do a larger project like this for gathering fabrics together? Um, we have to start someplace. So you might as well start with <laughs> one piece of fabric that you really like. Mm-hmm. Um, you may not ever end up using it, but it's a place to start to pull your other colors out of. Um, mm-hmm. And on this quilt, it's pretty daunting when people start because there's, like, I don't know, the original quilt has, like, 150 different fabrics in it, mm-hmm. and it's very scrappy. So if you want to make a scrap quilt, you just keep adding to your original piece of fabric that's your inspiration. Different colors, different scales. Adding a lot of um, stripes in this particular quilt is fabulous because they do fun mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and not thinking that you need to know what the end is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Start. Um, yeah, that's, that's, a good, that's a good point, Anne, because if you let it grow more organically in a way, then you can have surprises. Right. Well, why make something when you know exactly what it's going to look like when it's done before you start? <laughs> That's the fun part. <laughs> That's the fun part. Yeah. Some people hyperventilate when they hear that, I you know. know but people do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would say that everybody, even those folks who started with huge dashes of, you know, reproduction fabrics, and we know who those people are, um, mm-hmm. everybody kept adding things as as they needed them because something just wasn't quite doing whatever mm-hmm. it was they thought they wanted it to do. Um, and, so and that's kind of the, the fun of a sampler yeah, because, yeah, 
every block is different, so it can't have the same formula and color placement as the one you just did, you know. Exactly. And and this particular quilt has so many different techniques in it that it's really a um, a, a course in, in how to do piecework. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Uh, uh, what is one tip that that helped a lot of people doing some of these more unusual blocks? Well, it's uh, um, two things we did that um, were, were very helpful. Was we all learned how to do Y seams really well by marking <laughs> the intersection where you sew yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. We're all very good at that now. Um, so that's really important to actually mark where those seams come together when you're sewing three different seams together. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing we used was um, heavy-duty um, cardstock weight freezer paper. This was mm. new to me at the time, and I'm sure it's been around for a long time. We would print our template shapes on that, cut out the freezer paper, iron that onto the fabric, and cut out the shape. You could do it with a rotary cutter. You could cut around with scissors, or you could mark it and cut with scissors. Mm. Because each of these blocks pretty much only has its own set of templates, mm-hmm. um, it was a very efficient way for cutting fabric that you didn't have to keep, you know, tracing and drawing your own templates. There certainly weren't, you know, um, commercial templates available for all of the different shapes in this. Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that was great. Um, and then in hindsight, I would say, after the first the drafting of the pattern, the circle blocks that are set in to mm-hmm. the center of the quilt, um, they all came out slightly different sizes, of course. They're circular, lots of odd seams in them, and they were mm-hmm. pretty challenging for us to set into their sashing. Second yeah. go around drafting the pattern, I actually just added a quarter-inch seam allowance extra around the outside edges, mm-hmm. and voila. <laughs> <laughs> we had blocks that were too big that were easy to trim down to be perfect. So yeah. that was my, like, I wish I'd known how to do that. Learn so much, and this is this is yeah. so fabulous. I want to get. We only have like about thirty seconds now. You have, oh. you have this uh, on your website. People can purchase. I do. Okay. Yes, it's a, a block of the month um, pattern setup, and uh, yeah. you can start anytime. Uh, there is a little video there you can watch about the project, and you can always email me a question. Happy to yeah. chat with anybody about it. It's a great experience. Thank you, Anne. This has been awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Pat. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I want to talk for a minute about Baby Lock. They're passionate about sewing, and they're the most knowledgeable group that I've worked with. They want to make all of our experiences successful. Baby Lock is wonderfully realistic when it comes to their machine lineup. They have a range of machines in various categories and a variety of features. If you don't need a certain function, you can just find a machine that fits you. And best of all, they include my designs on the new Solaris. Start at the beginning. Design your next quilt like the pros. Quilt designers Nancy Mahoney and Alice Blythe both use Electric Quilt 8 software to design their gorgeous quilts. And you can too. Get EQ8 and start designing just minutes after you purchase.
Podcast listeners, take 20% off through May 31st, 2019 with code PODEQ8. That's P-O-D-E-Q-8. Get more info at electricquilt.com slash APQ. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. Uh, I'm Pat Sloan, and I'm so excited because Krista Moser's here. I was <laughs> writing with Krista and seeing some of her work she'd done recently. She's been on the show before, and I thought, you know, we haven't chatted for a while, and I really love what she is doing. So, Krista, yeah. thank you for coming. Wow, thanks. Thanks for having me back. It's nice to chat again. You you do design. I mean, do you ever just sew squares, Krista? I mean, do you have you ever cut a square? <laughs> you know what? I just did that about a month and a half ago. I did a little pillow because I had some of that grid stuff that you iron little squares on, and I'd been given uh-huh. those crumb packs, so yeah. I had no cutting to do. Yeah, so right, <laughs> I used them up, and then they were done, and I thought, great, oh, moving on. Great. <laughs> I know. Yeah, if you when you go out to Krista's site, like every quilt is angles and you know all of this right. wild, amazing things. I don't even know how well, does your brain work like that. I mean, how do you think? You up, know, like, yeah, crazy. I don't know if we talked about this before, but I'm um, I'm dyslexic, and so I think that there's something different because I just do see things very different, especially when it comes to design, and mm-hmm. so. I'm like, I'll find myself in the hardware store looking through like home decor um, magazines, you know, the ones that here's how to do tile, here's how to that. And I'm just getting ideas for quilts. It's like these, Mm -hmm. you know, because nothing's square really. It's all hexagons and Mm -hmm. triangles and chevrons and herringbone. And yeah, so I just, I'm really drawn to it like that stuff. So, you know, lately you've had some that are, well, you have the, what is the name of it? The one that's got the tangled sky that I have the picture of today. Oh, it's like, yes. how did you get that sunset? Did you and have to paint sky. that? And you just went out there and painted a sunset and stood in front of it. Because... <laughs> no, no, um, that is that you're going to laugh. I was standing in the, um, I was standing in the line at the post office one day and their packaging has cool designs on it sometimes. And I just saw that, you know, it's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's architectural, it's structural, it's angles. It's, mm-hmm. I was really drawn to it, so I just kind of grabbed my phone and snapped a picture of it, and then I just kind of kept working it over because, of course, they did it in just kind of an all-over, like, black, white, gray kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I just was like, man, wouldn't it be cool if it was hollow behind it and it looked like the sky was changing, you know, like the sunset yeah. coming down and the clouds become a lace. And I just kept thinking on it, and so then I collected some fabric and kind of, drummed on the idea a little bit more and and finally had some time to actually put it together and it's risky you know when you see it in your head you think oh yeah this is going to be amazing but I've had times where I get it done and I'm like what was I thinking (laughs) so this this one works this one works but it doesn't always work (laughs) yeah Uh, it's it's incredible does that have um do you have inset seams in that one no no there's no, no Y seams. There are partial seams, which are different. You know, Y seams, okay. you have to stop at the quarter inch, and mm-hmm. um, and they are very specific. You know, you stop and pivot or stop at the quarter inch. But mm-hmm. partial seams, you just kind of have to stop somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, okay. so that's how you get that kind of woven look, but it's not mm-hmm. as tedious, I'd say, as Y seams. It's really approachable. If you want something that's got some structural, like, 
pizzazz, you know, to it. Mm-hmm. And and you don't want to do tedious stuff that requires wiping. So, yeah, that'd be a pretty good pattern to do. Okay, that's Tangled Sky we were just talking about. So if you yeah. want to go take a look Tangled at that Sky. one. Uh, so tell me one about the 60-degree new- ruler. You, know, you do a lot of fun yeah. ruler quilts. Why do you yeah, love that yeah. shape, that diamond shape? You know what? Somebody kind of finally said it in a class. She said she was a math teacher. Mm-hmm. And while math I've always been kind of good at and never really struck me, she said these shapes are equilateral so hexagons diamonds and triangles equilateral 60 degree Mm -hmm. they will all they're the three shapes that will and squares but they were they'll tessellate you know any direction away from Mm -hmm. each other and so you can combine them and make them fit because they they all work together in the symmetry of it i think that's just what i'm 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 really drawn to is the symmetry of it that you can kind of make these pretty simple clean lines look dramatic just mm-hmm. by um, choosing color and then going with the symmetry naturally happens. And so, um, yeah, all my patterns look kind of like siblings, but not twins. And that's because right. they're, they're all kind of different, but, you know, there's so much of the consistent shapes going through them. So, yeah, they're fun. It's fun for me. So if somebody's not used these rulers, you know, or explored mm-hmm. these fun shapes, you know, because if you're just, if people are just doing squares and strips and things yeah. like that, you yeah. know, what is one to start with, like a good shape to start with? You know, I would say, well, I would, I would probably say triangles and diamonds, either and or a combination of both of those. Hexagons are great, but they often require Y seams. And so if mm-hmm. you can do a hexagon, uh, like a like a faux hexagon where you do two trapezoids together, then you can avoid the Y seams. And, and that makes for really dramatic, mm-hmm. you know, quilts too. But, I mean, anything that's, that's largely triangles and or um, diamonds, they don't mm-hmm. – you can, you can sew them in rows, and they don't necessarily right. require – so, yeah, my latest quilts are pretty much all those two, like the one we just talked about in Tangled mm-hmm. Sky. That's the triangle block is what you end up with. And I've got a couple more patterns. One just came out a couple days ago, and it's largely triangles, and it's got some diamond combination of those. And then the next one coming out is really cute. It's got it's very patriotic, very summery looking, but it's mostly mm-hmm. triangles. It does have some trapezoids and a couple of diamonds in there. So all those things go together and don't require um, – any special piecing techniques, really. So uh, that that's good to know that the one, I think one of the ones to sew in, in strips so people can feel comfortable, like, okay, yeah. I've got this oddball shape, but, you know, I yeah. can still yeah. sew it sort of like I normally do. Yeah, right. It'll end up in rows, and mostly when I, when I design patterns, I really do try to break it down into the simplest units that will get them into rows because your mm-hmm. brain just works that way. Either mm-hmm. vertical rows or horizontal rows, you're like, okay. It's kind of like you're eating an elephant one bite at a time. When you right. look at the quilt, it's stunning, and you don't see the rows. So when I do trunk shows, I'm like, this is where the row break is. See how these mm-hmm. blocks all – and everybody in the audience is like, oh, my gosh, I never saw that. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. That's... So then it's like, this is manageable. I, I could succeed at that. It doesn't have to yeah. be some, you know, master – quilter right well let's talk a little bit about color because I think you are a master you know you really are at taking all of this and your the color is really what is that is what the the secret sauce is for what you're doing you know you you, what how do you pull it together 
You know, I almost always start with a palette, and it's almost never quilt related. It's like mm-hmm. like I did the sunset. You know, it's I, I start with kind of a a palette of a, and then it's the essence of what I'm trying to get out of that. Because you know, if you get too literal, then it's like, well, that's not a color of a sunset. Well, yeah. you know, it's like you're you're just kind <laughs> right. of going for the essence. It's like the feeling yeah. of it. What am I trying to get? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I and typically I stay with simple-ish color schemes and so then I'll work like with that entangled sky one it's three shades light medium and dark and just three colors and then there's of course the sky colors so I'm not trying to do I might have 30 30 patterns or 30 fabrics in the same quilt but it it might really only from just the glance it might only be Mm -hmm. three colors you know Mm -hmm. you're just seeing that and so I gosh man Color, I know it's a tough thing for people, but this is one of those that it does make or break a pattern. And yeah. and my my advice almost always is like is work light to dark or work dark to light within one colorway because or two or just keeping it simple mm-hmm. because you'll get some real visual like interest out of say five shades of turquoise, whereas if it, you know, without it being complicated, without it just being like, wow, that's chaos and overwhelming. It's like <laughs> visually it's still interesting, but, you know, right. it's, it's kind of pleasant. It's kind of nice. It's like, oh, it's, it's turquoise. That's that's nice. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have that jarring say, high contrast then when you're keeping yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And you've kind of transitioned people. It's like, you know. From light to dark, if you're working in a colorway, mm-hmm. you've kind of transitioned people. So they might say, I can't stand green. But somehow you've managed to work them from, like, the sweetest little um, Easter egg green all the way into mm-hmm. kind of a red. And they're like, oh, oh, that's kind of nice. That's not so bad. You know, yeah. it's like maybe what they're thinking is, I can't stand forest green or whatever. Right. You know, but, hey, right. this isn't so bad. Like, so, it's, it, yeah, you get broad appeal. And I always, you know, when I'm working with, with students and teaching classes, they say, bring nine shades, uh, light to dark. And they bring nine shades of medium, and and it's mm-hmm. because color, it's like the extreme ends are always scary for people. It's like, oh my gosh, that one's not going to go. It's going to ruin the whole quilt. When right. that might be the one that actually needed the contract, you know, it needed it was going to be an mm-hmm. anchor point or kind of give the the eye a place to stop. So, yeah, yeah, it's a risk. But then somebody in a class recently, she uh she brought in a a peephole for like a door. You oh, know, you pick it up okay. at the hardware store. And yeah. it kind of gives a fisheye lens. I couldn't believe how much that helped some gals see mm-hmm. their colors differently just by looking through that little brass peephole. I don't think they're expensive. And, yeah, right. it's a very clever thing. So I might I've help. never used one of those. You know, I've, I think yeah, I, I had not either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very, I mean, it was the first time I'd seen one used. So yeah. it's a clever idea. So staying on color, what is your favorite color combination? <laughs> You know, I, w- I would have said anything, but, I mean, I guess yeah. it's turquoise. I, yeah. um, I use turquoise a lot and really draw. I just, I, yeah, I'm really drawn to it. I use it a lot, and I like the color, but I wouldn't have necessarily said it was my favorite until somebody in a trunk show recently was like, I'm guessing your favorite color is turquoise. They say this from yeah. the audience, and I just had right. to laugh because it made me realize how many of my quilts are turquoise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I know. It takes somebody else often to look at our work and be able to, especially when you're doing like a trunk show and they see a whole lot of things. You know, they can, all of a sudden they're pointing out, you're like, okay, I guess that's it. (laughs) Right, right. Guilty as charged. Obviously, what am I going to say now? They are all different. I mean, like I've got, you know, sky blue. I don't mind. I think the blue category is definitely, that's my jam. So whatever in there, I'm fine with it. Bring on the blue. Chris is ready. Yes. 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 (laughs) So, you know, with all, I have a question about storage. Uh, We only have like about a minute. So, the rulers, they're sort of an odd shape, a lot of the ones Mm -hmm. that you use, you know, like you just can't stand them up anywhere. How do you store them? Yeah, well, they all have a flat edge. So, that is um, not trying to uh, store, you know, circles yet. But, Mm -hmm. um, they, they all have a flat edge, yeah. and so I kind of, you know, I did this. I did this. I have a small sewing space. I have a small-ish house, and so one of my rooms is the is the sewing room, and I was running out of tabletop space, and so I kind of decided to use the walls, and I just got some um, some chair, not chair rails, um, well, kind of, but like picture rails that you know okay. you put maybe above a couch or something that you would lean pictures against. They only pop out off the wall about two and a half, three inches, and mm-hmm. they've got a little ledge on them. And so I mounted a couple of those on one short wall, and then I could just lean rulers, you know, on it. They hold so much weight each if you get it in the studs. Mm-hmm. And then um, the ones I don't use, but then above my cutting station where I do a lot of the cutting, then I turned one of those little rails over so it's perfectly flat, no ridge or anything on top. Mm-hmm. And then I mounted a wooden slatted. You can find these almost anywhere they're they are for rulers they're typically set on the table though and they're right right they're just a wooden piece maybe three or four inches by 15 inches or something and they just have grooves you know that the rulers can um slide into so yeah i mounted with double stick tape on top of one of these upside down little uh picture rails and yeah so my basics you know the ones i'm using all the time and then and then i put little krista uh, Krista, we're out of time (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) till next time you can hear what i did next (laughs) i know i know next time well thank you so much for being here yes you bet this is pat sloan we will see you next week to rate and review the show it helps other quilters find us have a creative week